Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Are you tired of investing your time and your energy into relationships that go nowhere and you know deep down the common denominator is you. You have awareness that whatever you're doing right now in relationships is not working, it's not serving you, and you are ready to take ownership of this area of your life and finally learn how to embody a securely attached, confident woman who can attract a great relationship. If that's you, I have a very special invitation I want to invite you to apply to the Empowered, Secure, and Loved program. This is a program designed to help you no matter your attachment style, no matter your relationship past, it will help you move to secure attachment so that you can show up confident, you can communicate well, you can navigate any kind of conflict, and you can create that relationship that you've always wanted while simultaneously having high self-worth and high levels of self-love. If that's you and you know that in 2022, you are ready for a great relationship and you're committed to getting there, I want to personally invite you to apply to the ESL program Use the link in my Instagram bio. On Instagram, it's at Dr. Morgan Coaching, DR Morgan Coaching. And the link is also in the show notes. Spots are extremely limited. So go apply now to reserve your spot and start your journey to high self worth and great relationships. Hello, it's your host, Dr. Morgan. So excited about this episode today. This is going to be a really special one. And of course, I'm going off of questions that I have received from you all. And you ask the best questions. So whenever I need to know what to talk about on the podcast, I go to my Facebook group, which is the Successful Women Great Relationships Facebook group. The link to join that is in my Instagram bio if you want to be a part of it. But there's so many amazing women in there posting their questions, sharing their stories. So I will go in there. I also, of course, go to my Instagram DMs and I go to any time I post a question on my Instagram story, I'll say, hey, what should I talk about? And I go and I read your responses. So I want you to know I do this podcast for you. I intentionally look at your specific questions. And this was a question that I've had before, but it seems to be coming up again and again. And I think it's time to really revisit it and actually take a deeper look at answering this question. So you're like, okay, tell me, what is it? Well, 
Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about the differences between narcissistic personality disorder and an avoidant attachment style. And the thing is, this is not talked about enough. And I'm going to do my best to educate as well as I can with the understanding that there's so much more that we could go into, but I'm going to give you uh, as much information as I can within this podcast episode. And I think it'll be enough to kind of help you navigate what comes up around this topic. So I want to start out by talking about narcissistic personality disorder. So this is a personality disorder. This is access to, if we're diagnosing someone, and access to when it comes to diagnosis is actually taken very seriously. When you are a well-trained psychologist or clinician, you want to have a ton of data before you would ever give someone a personality disorder. A personality disorder means this is who this person is. This has become part of who they are, right? And while, of course, there are treatments to help people heal personality disorders, the other one, you know, we think of a lot is borderline personality disorder. There's certainly treatments, um, dialectical behavior therapy, et cetera. Um, What ends up happening, though, is personality disorder is much harder to treat because of how ingrained it is and because there's this pervasive pattern that has evidence over time. So we're talking years of data that this is how this person operates and we don't really see them operating in other ways. So it's sort of a very fixed way of being. If you're meeting criteria for personality disorder, that means this is how this person is. And we have a ton of evidence over time um, that this is how they are. It's so interesting because when I think back to what I was going through with disorganized attachment style relationship trauma that I experienced... While in graduate school, getting my clinical um, psychologist degree, right? When I went to therapists, thank God for good therapists, I went to someone and I was at my lowest low. I had just got out of a relationship with a narcissist who does meet criteria for someone with narcissistic personality disorder. I had gotten out of that relationship. It was a near-death experience that got me out. And What happened was if my therapist hadn't thought about me developmentally and my willingness to heal and to grow, um, they could have very likely diagnosed me with borderline personality disorder. I just want to acknowledge that, like the ways that I was behaving, the way that I was showing up, it was very much a trauma response, but within the context of what I was going through it made sense. And it was clear that there was room for growth and for healing. And this day, and even probably within a couple years after that experience, there's no way I would have met criteria for that. 
So this is why I say a personality disorder being diagnosed takes a ton of data. It takes someone who it's pretty, it's pretty ingrained, it's pretty cemented that this is how they are. This is their personality. This is how they are. Not saying they can't change, but there's evidence that it's hard for them to change. Okay, so I felt like that was necessary. Um, We can say all the time that people have traits of a disorder. So somebody might have narcissistic traits and not meet criteria for narcissistic personality disorder. I think that's a very important distinction. Um, And let's talk about it in relationships. And let's talk about how do you know the difference between a narcissist and someone with avoidant attachment. So let's look at when I look at the DSM and and we look at some of the things that it talks about, we'll start with narcissistic personality disorders. So it says there are significant impairments in personality functioning, and these manifest by impairments in self-functioning. And then it says identity, excessive reference to others for self-definition and self-esteem regulation, exaggerated self-appraisal may be inflated or deflated or vacillate between extremes. This is that black and white thinking. Emotional regulation mirrors fluctuations in self-esteem. The next bullet point here is self-direction. Goal setting is based on gaining approval from others. Personal standards are unreasonably high in order to see oneself as exceptional or too low based on sense of entitlement, often unaware of their own motivations. Okay, and then let's keep going. Impairments in interpersonal functioning. This is good, okay? So impairments in interpersonal functioning, A, empathy, impaired ability to recognize or identify with the feelings and needs of others, excessively attuned to reactions of others, but only if perceived as relevant to self, over or underestimate their own effect on others. So this is key when we think about the distinction later, okay? Intimacy is the next part here. So this is bullet point two, where we're talking about impairments in interpersonal functioning. Bullet point two is intimacy. Relationships largely superficial and exist to serve self-esteem regulation, mutuality, oh, sorry, mutually, no, there's a typo, constrained mutually constrained by little genuine interest in others' experiences and predominance of a need for personal gain. This is straight out of the DSM. And the DSM is what uh, mental health professionals use to give diagnoses. I could do a whole other podcast episode on why I think there's some harmful things. But when it's something like this, and we're using it as a learning tool, it can just be helpful to give us information. Okay. Pathological personality traits in the following 
domains. Antagonism, so that means um, can be aggressive, they're difficult to get along with, fighting, etc. Bullet point one, grandiosity, feelings of entitlement, either overt or covert, self-centeredness, firmly holding the belief that one is better than others, condescending towards others. Then we have attention-seeking, excessive attempts to attract and be the focus of the attention of others, admiration-seeking. The impairments in personality functioning, this is the next part down here, Um, the next bullet point, the impairments in personality functioning and the individual's personality trait expression are relatively stable across time and consistent across situations. This is what I was talking about with y'all, that this is consistent across time. The next bullet point is the impairments in personality functioning and the individual's personality trait expression are not better understood as normative for the individual's developmental stage or socio-cultural environment. The impairments in personality functioning and the individual's personality trait expression are not solely due to the direct physiological effects of a substance, example, drug abuse, medication, or a general medical condition, example, severe head trauma. Ah, there we go, y'all. That's what the DSM has to say about narcissistic personality disorder. So here's the key. We want to think about this empathy piece. Someone who's meeting criteria for narcissistic personality disorder, or they're just very significantly possessing traits, um, they will not be able to feel empathy for others. And they'll only be attuned to what another person is feeling if it's perceived to be relevant to them. And they'll also overestimate their own impact on other people. So, with an av- here, here's what the distinction I want you to understand. Someone with narcissistic personality disorder or who has a lot of narcissistic traits, they could possess avoidant attachment tendencies. However, not all people who have avoidant attachment tendencies are narcissists. So let me repeat that again. If you would meet criteria for narcissistic personality disorder or you have narcissistic traits, it could be likely that you would have an avoidant attachment style in relationships. However, not all folks who are avoidantly attached are going to meet criteria for narcissistic traits. And what we need to realize is that the why in the behavior is really important. So if it's a narcissist, they're much more likely to have the behaviors that they do because they want to control, they want to manipulate, they want to do whatever is best for them 
And that's really the motive, that controlling um, and, and being able to make you feel less than them is because they need that in order to feel good about themselves and maintain their feelings of grandiosity because that's part of their personality structure that they're going to maintain uh, grandiose ways of thinking about themselves. And y'all, we're getting we're getting into the weeds here. I hope you're still with me, okay? So then let's talk about if you have avoidant attachment and you have some devaluing of your partner, which is common. We want to think about this as why though? What is the motive? For someone who is avoidantly attached, the motive is going to be more about creating emotional distance. And that behavior is going to actually come more from, I'm not comfortable with intimacy. I'm not comfortable with closeness. And it's not about control or trying to manipulate you. This is a really important distinction because obviously, if you are dating someone and there's some avoidant attachment tendencies, that's something where you can give them feedback, you can work through that. There's ways for them to grow, to become more securely attached. That's all possible. However, if you are dating someone with narcissistic traits, or God forbid, their meet criteria for a narcissistic personality disorder, you will likely need to distance yourself as quickly as possible. Okay. And I think it's it's really important though to realize that people with avoidant attachment sometimes get this bad reputation and even the book attached, which I know so many of you have read, um, the offer the author there, he has talked about how if he could write that book over, he would have painted avoidantly attached folks in a more positive light. So I feel like there's just sometimes bad, um, I almost said bad press, just a bad, a bad way of looking or sorry, perceiving someone with avoidant attachment. And in the reality, all it is, avoidant attachment is a way of being to try to feel safe in relationships. And they have a lot of beliefs about in order to feel safe, I need to have high amounts of independence and I need to not depend on you emotionally in any capacity. So, so important to really understand some of the distinctions here. And the other thing I'll say is with with avoidant attachment, there's there's such a spectrum there too, right? You can have someone who they're mostly securely attached, but occasionally, if maybe they're triggered by something from their past or something hard comes up, occasionally they're going to display some avoidant attachment tendencies. That's so much different than someone who's spending 95% of their time in their avoidant attachment style and they're not really willing to build secure attachment. With any attachment style that you have, 
um, the important piece is the willingness to move to secure attachment. And the the research out there with this says that even if we are anxiously attached or we are avoidantly attached, if we can partner with someone who has some secure attachment qualities and we also simultaneously work to create some securely attached ways of being, it is so within your reach to create a securely attached relationship. So with someone who is avoidantly attached, you could learn to create a securely attached relationship with someone who's meeting criteria for narcissistic personality disorder and they're devaluing you in order to maintain their high levels of grandiosity, you're not going to be able to work with them to create secure attachment. There's so much work that they have to do on their own first before they'd be ready for a healthy relationship. So I hope this episode really helped clear this up. And of course, you know that I myself am the survivor of intimate partner violence, of being able to leave a narcissistic relationship, or I I should say a relationship with a narcissist. And I know how incredibly challenging it is. So if you're listening to this and that's you, I'm sending you so much love, so much support. It is possible. It does take time. After experiencing the relational trauma that I did, I was able to move myself to a securely attached place. It did take a lot of intentional effort and it took the framework that now I've created um, and put into the Empowered, Secure, Loved program where I was able to really release my past, rewire my my relationship belief system, and finally be able to create beliefs that supported my high self-worth and also having a great relationship And then I also had to learn for the first time ever, what did it look like to be securely attached? What did that even mean? How could I show up that way? Um, Had to learn an entirely new way of dating and how to show up and what it meant to receive and not chase and what it meant to be able to feel safe in a relationship. So I went through that process myself. It is entirely possible. I'm living proof. I'm in an incredibly healthy, wonderful, securely attached relationship with a great partner and we're growing together. And I, you know, before um, getting in this relationship with him, I also had many securely attached, great dating experiences that I never thought I would ever have. So if you're listening and you're feeling a little hopeless, I just want you to know it is possible And if you want to find out more about the Empowered, Secure, Loved program, the link to apply to the program is in my Instagram bio, and you will get on a call with one of our ESL program relationship experts. They'll talk with you about where you're at 
and you'll be able to ask any questions you have about the program and see if it would be the thing that you need to finally become the securely attached version of you so relationships can feel easy and you can finally have that great relationship you've always wanted. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Definitely got a little bit into the weeds about avoidant attachment versus narcissistic personality disorder. Hopefully you found it interesting. And of course, you know, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. I'll talk with you soon. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram, Facebook, and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce, And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.